Our reading this morning comes from Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, you may be seated. And as you're being seated, let me pray for us. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Help us now to hear and obey what you say to us today. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, John Stott was probably, likely, one of the most influential Christians to have lived in this past century. When Stott wasn't traversing the globe teaching uh, other pastors and other Christians uh, the Word of God, you could find John Stott on Sunday mornings at All Souls Church uh, in London, England, where he served for, for a number of years. And when John Stott stepped back from leading the church formerly in the 1970s, a group of parishioners got together and they donated to the church a pulpit. And on that pulpit were inscribed these words from John 12. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Each Sunday, as the preacher would ascend the stairs, they'd be met with these words out of John 12. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. There are many things I think we think we need to see this morning. Uh, we think we need to see gathering restrictions lift. Or maybe you think we need to see them tighten. I think we think we need to see our bank accounts increase. <laughs> An affordable apartment to come up for sale or for rent on, on Padmapper. I think we need to see many things this morning. And no doubt many of these things would be nice, indeed good to see. But if we're using the language of need this morning, there is really only one thing, rather one person, that we need to see this morning, this first Sunday in 2022. We need to see Jesus. We need to see Jesus. And that's why Colossians 1, the text that we heard Marlies read this morning, is such a perfect text for us this Sunday. See, next week we'll hop back into 1 Corinthians and we'll get into the mess of that church once more. But today I want us to pause. As we enter this week of prayer and fasting, as we look to orient ourselves this year, we need to see Jesus. And Colossians 1 is so good for helping us to see Jesus because perhaps there's no grander Christological or Jesus-centered text in all of Scripture. Early Christians believed that Colossians 1, 15-20 was actually a hymn, a hymn that was sung by the church, a refrain of praise passed from community to community. And like good hymns today, it was more than just a song to be sung. No, no, good hymns, like 
Colossians 1, 15 to 20. They do many things. Good hymns are shields against false teachings. They are life rafts for persecuted or discouraged believers. They are lighthouses guiding wandering pilgrims home. Good hymns are rocks giving us sure footing on unstable grounds. And good hymns are all of these things because good hymns show us Jesus. So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to see two things very, very clearly. First, Jesus holding all things together. And second, Jesus, the head of the church. So Jesus holding all things together and Jesus, the head of the church. Look at Colossians 1, 15 to 20 with me. I, I think we can fairly safely break this hymn into two different parts. And the first part of this hymn deals with Christ in creation. Christ in creation, the role of Christ in creating all things. We read in Colossians 1.16 that Paul tells us here that Christ is the preeminent one, the exact replica or image or icon of the Father. And it's through this Christ that, Paul says, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. This isn't a new idea in our Bibles. If we were to go to the book of Hebrews, there the writer tells us that it was through the Son that God created the world. If we were to go to the beginning of John's gospel, John famously says there, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, I don't know, and you don't know, at least you shouldn't know, you can't know, the mechanics of how Christ made all things. But I think generally speaking, this concept is, is fairly familiar to us. That is through Christ that God created the world. What's different about Colossians 1, however, and what is difficult for us to understand is that Paul says more than simply, God made everything for, rather through Christ. What is new, what Paul adds, is not that only were all things created through Christ, but all things were created for Christ. One scholar says this, creation called into existence for the sake of Christ exists in the present to give him glory. Creation called into existence for the sake of Christ exists in the present to give him glory. Everything, everything, again, everything, including you and me, exists to give Jesus glory. I, I was walking in the snow the other day with a friend, you know, kind of stumbling along, dragging my kids behind me and some running too far ahead and yelling at them. And my friend and I were talking. We were talking about the snow that had fallen and how the snow perfectly showed us both the holiness and the forgiveness of God. Two things we don't, perfect, we don't usually put together, right? Holiness and forgiveness. But the snow in its pure whiteness shows us God's perfectness. In the snow hitting the ground, it shows us how God covers over our blemishes, our dirt, our unseemliness. We see all this in, in snow. See, all of creation 
finds its aim, its ultimate end, in giving Christ glory. All of it. The ugly things and the beautiful things. The evil things and the good things. The unseen spiritual forces and all earthly seen powers. And so we're going to get into the weeds of our life this morning. But before we go any further, we should just stop and ask, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you know that your life, every life that has ever lived, actually, is part of an all-time history-encompassing tapestry that will eventually spell Jesus is Lord. Do you know that this morning? Every single thing that has ever existed and will ever exist has its end, its, its destiny in the glorification of Jesus. I, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. But I need this perspective this morning. I think we need this perspective this morning. What's more, we need to be reminded how God is right now funneling all creation to the glory of his son. See, look at Colossians 1 with me. Paul continues in verse 17. See, the one who is before all things is the very one who in him all things hold together. All things hold together. My wife and I, we love to waste time in our evenings. We don't do godly things. We should do godly things, but we do, we watch TV. And this past year, we, we watched uh, this series, Loki. Do you guys watch that series? Because it's mindless entertainment, and, and we just did it, and we're tired after a long day with the kids, just, just being honest. And we watched Loki. That's my confession for you. Uh, and, and we watched this show, and if you didn't watch the show, you know that the whole show is sort of premised around this idea that there's a sacred timeline. There's a sacred timeline, and there's the, the Time Variance Authority, or the TVA, and their sole job is to ensure that nothing deviates from the sacred timeline. That's this premise. It's, it's actually quite metaphysical. And spoiler alert, at the end of the show, uh, the TVA fails... And the sacred timeline begins to branch off chaotically in all these different directions. And it's ruined. And, and who knows what the future holds because it's branching off into the unknown. That's how the show ends. At least that's, that's how the season ends. And I think sometimes we, we functionally believe our future to be that precarious. That unstable that something or someone, a variant of some sort, could, could catch Jesus off guard, could catch Jesus not holding all things together. See, we talk in this church often about the shepherding ministry of Jesus. But here's confession number two. I think I've been guilty, and maybe we've been guilty, but certainly I've been guilty of thinking small about the shepherding ministry of Jesus. See, when I think of Jesus, my shepherd, think of Psalm 23, Jesus caring for me, being my friend, 
leading me beside still waters in the midst of grieving and mourning. And all that is good and all that is true. But if we can zoom out for a moment and ask, what does it mean for Jesus to be our good shepherd? If we can get a a cosmic perspective, it would mean this. It means that Jesus is shepherding not just you and your stuff, but all of creation. He is shepherding the entire cosmos to him. Uh, To quote John's gospel, Jesus is both shepherd and sheep pen. He is both guide and destination. This is what it means for Jesus to be our good shepherd this morning. Christ City, I don't know how you come this morning. I don't. But Jesus is holding all things together. And I think the most practical thing you can do in this year in 2022, is with Bible and notebook in hand, sit with the one who is the end, who is the goal, who is the finish line of of the entire universe, of all things. I think the best thing you can do is bring him your anxiety and your depression. Bring him your habitual sin, your suffering, your wounds. He is sufficient. See, we're all going to go somewhere this year. You know, the second day of January, we started yesterday eating right, right? We're all vegans now, at least for a month, right? Woo that. (laughs) Right? We're all all doing our, our exercise. You know, on Twitter the other day, I saw some mental health hacks that I'm sure are helpful and good, and we started, you know, adopting those and living into those. And and those are good things. I'm not speaking disparagingly of of eating right or exercising or any of those things. But they're just things. What we need to do this year is turn to the one who who made all those things, who, who knows us, who knows me and knows you more than you know yourself and I know myself. There are no answers to these things we struggle with outside of Christ. If Christ is not holding all things together, we have every reason in this season to be depressed and anxious. If Christ is not holding all things together, there is no hope for victory over your addiction and your sin. If Christ is not holding all things together, your suffering and your wounds and your hurts are meaningless and serve no purpose. If Christ is not leading all creation to crescendo with his glory, then we should pack it in. Then what are we doing here? But he is. He is, Christ said, he is. This is the cosmic good shepherd we need to see this morning. The one who holds our individual itty-bitty lives in one hand and the entire cosmos in the other. Jesus is holding all things together. Second thing, if the first half of the hymn is about Christ's role in creation, then the second half of this song is about Christ's role in recreation, in renewing. Uh, this, this, this past Christmas, uh, we bought our kids Lego. And Lego is the gift your kids want, but you should not buy it for them. 
And we have so much of it. And Levi's astounded. I'll tell you why, Levi. I can tell you that when you buy Lego as a parent, a few things are promised to you. One, that that Lego piece, it hates you and will find a way to be under your foot all the time. It's just, it's just a guarantee. It's promised to you. You will step on Lego for the rest of your days. The second thing that's promised, however, is that you will build on the first day that beautiful thing on the outside of the box, right? The Millennium Falcon, the castle, whatever the thing is. But on day two, the pieces that were used to build the Millennium Falcon will now be used to build a square wall. And they will forever be building square walls with very expensive Lego pieces. These are promised to you. This is not how things work with Jesus. Though we have broken and tarnished and smashed and been negligent with his creation, he is doing a work of perfect recreation, of perfect renewing. How? Look at verse 18 of Colossians 1. See, there Paul tells us that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, this is Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He's not a man, he's the God-man. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, he's renewing all things in him, whether on earth or in heaven, how does he do this? He makes peace by the blood of the cross. This is the recreating ministry of Christ. This is what he's doing now and has done in history. And we can think of it like this, based on the language that Paul uses. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, the firstborn from the dead, it is like Genesis 1 happened all over again. Think about that. And God said, let my son live. And so he did, and there was new resurrection life on this day and forevermore. It is Genesis 1 all over again, except something better. And Paul continued to say, because Jesus defeated death and the devil, he is therefore, this is the logic, the head and the boss and the king over all of his new creation, including his new creation people. And you're like, who, who are these people? I want to meet these new creation people. You're them. It's us, the church. He says in verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. So here's how we're going to end this morning. I want us to see three things. We could see many, many things. But I want us to see just three this morning. Three things in answer to the question, what does it mean for us that Jesus is the head of the body of the church? And the first thing is this. Again, we could say many, many things, but the first thing is this. If Jesus is the head, then he causes us to grow. If Jesus is the head, then all life and nourishment and sustenance and power to change comes from him. If you were to go ahead in uh, Colossians, Colossians 2, 18 to 19, uh, you'd discover that the Colossian church, shocker, like us today, is, is messed up, is susceptible to lies, to, to, to false teachings. Maybe a, a charismatic preacher rolled into town and he's, he's tickling ears, right, telling people what they want to hear. 
But Paul gives a reason as to why this is happening. He does not say, well, th that person's power is just too great. Their charisma is just too strong. No, look at the reason Paul gives as to why the Colossians are going off track. Look at verse 18. Paul says to this church, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. This is the idea of just, just getting what we're lusting for, hearing what we want to hear. And look at verse 19. What is the reason Paul gives? He says this church is not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through, through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Why is the Colossian church so vulnerable, so weak, so susceptible to these lies? Because they are not holding fast to the head because they're not holding fast to Jesus. Like a body without a head, they are lifeless, cold, stiff. And maybe, and maybe that describes you this morning. Not just because of the weather outside, but in your heart. Lifeless, cold, stiff, indifferent to the things of God. And you might ask, and you should ask, so what should I do? What, what does it mean to hold on to the head who is Jesus? How does this help me grow? Uh, on September 10th, 1760, John Newton, uh, the pastor, the hymn writer, he was dialoguing with a group of women who had, he had been counseling. And these women were trying to progress in their walk with the Lord, and they confessed that they were stumped. They felt apathetic. They weren't getting the growth that they had, that they had hoped they, they would get by now. And so Newton writes to these women uh, these words. He says this. He says, the best advice I can send, or the best wish I can form for you, is that you may have an abiding and experimental, read experiential, an experimental sense of those words of the apostle which are just now upon my mind, looking unto Jesus. The duty, the privilege, the safety, the unspeakable happiness of a believer who, who wants those things, it's just me, the duty, the privilege, the safety, the unspeakable happiness of a believer are all comprised in that one sentence. Looking unto Jesus is the object that melts the soul into love and gratitude. Looking unto Jesus is the object that melts the soul into love and gratitude. Another author takes what Newton says and puts it in, in, in a modern way for us. And Dane Ortland writes this. He says, peel your eyes away from yourself, even your change or lack thereof, and ponder Christ. Commune with him. Open the vent of your heart 
receive his love and counsel from Scripture. See him in the preached word and sacrament at your local church. Look at him, Ortland says. Stare. 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 I love the image of children staring. Do your children stare? My children stare all the time. It's very, very uncomfortable for me. Very uncomfortable. But children are not ashamed. They know what they want to see, and so they're staring. They're staring. And they're staring. It is uncomfortable to watch someone stare. It's to watch someone be wholly engulfed with with the object that they're looking at. And yet this is our call as followers of Jesus, is to stare at Christ uncomfortably long like a child, to behold him. See, what Christianity has to offer us is not mental health hacks. It is not a breakthrough diet or a schedule or an exercise routine. It has been, and it will always be this, if you want to grow, you need to stare at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Now, the great preacher Robert Murray McShane says, for every one look you look at yourself, or every time you look at yourself, you should look ten times to Jesus. Spend an inordinate amount of time with Jesus. What's more, you need to see that the snow that's falling, the leaves that are budding, everything in his whole creation is teaching us about Jesus, about his Father. You need to peel your eyes away from yourself because, as one old theologian has said, it is only when we know God that you and I can have any meaningful knowledge of ourselves. If Jesus is the head, then he causes us to grow. And so stare at him this year. Stare at him uncomfortably long. Stare at him. Second thing, if Jesus is the head then he directs our growth. See, Jesus isn't just keen on sort of general growth, right? If you're a gardener, you know weeds grow. Things you don't want grow in the garden. More personally, anger grows. Lust grows. Pride grows. All these things grow in my heart without me tending to them at all. General growth is not what we're aiming towards. Jesus has an aim for our growth. He wants our growth to be in a specific direction. And the mistake we make at the beginning of the year, this always happens, is that we tell Jesus, Jesus, this is where I'm going. And Jesus, this is what I'm doing. And Jesus, this is who I'm going to be. And if you want to get on board with that, that's great. But otherwise, I'm going there. And then in December of 2022, we look back and say, I didn't grow at all. I didn't change at all. I achieved none of my goals, none of my resolutions, none of them. See, we could translate, we we could translate Colossians 2.19 to say that the whole body with Christ as its head grows as God wants it to grow. Have you thought about that before? Grows as God wants it to grow, which means this, your growth And the direction of your growth is not up to you. It's not your decision. It's not. Now, you will find great joy 
great life and great purpose as you grow. But God has a plan for you and a plan for your growth. Meaning the more we look to and abide in Jesus, the more we begin to act like Jesus. I have no doubt that some of us have made good and noble goals. Other of us have made goals out of fear, goals out of anxiety, goals from a place of faithlessness. But each and every year, God's heart for us remains the same. The head of the body, Jesus, sustains us and keeps us and holds us together that we might grow in increasing likeliness to him. That's how God wants you to grow this year. And when we try to grow in other ways, in ways for our own glory and build for ourselves, we will soon find that there is no power in that growth. There's no resurrection, recreating life in that growth. We have but a limited reserve. But when we align our will with the will of the one who is our head, we find that he has endless resources to transform us and to change us, and to remake us, and to recreate us. If Jesus is the head, then he directs our growth. Are you asking Jesus to bless your thing? Or are you saying, Jesus, I want to be about what you're about? Third thing, if Jesus is the head, then it as one body we grow. See, by virtue of being a limb, an appendage, as it were, we learn that we're dependent upon Christ. Arms severed from the body generally don't do very well. You know that. We're, we're dependent upon Christ. But, but, but also, by virtue of being a limb and an appendage, we're reminded in, in stark, desperate terms of our need for one another, of our need for the rest of the body. See, whenever Paul uses the language of, of the body, the imagery of the body, he is wanting us to see, amongst other things, our mutual interdependence. Our mutual interdependence. We need one another. Let me be perhaps more uncomfortable than that. I need you. And let me just be a bit presumptuous for a second. You need me. And, and, and we need each other. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so any talk of, of an individualistic sort of stay-at-home Christianity is garbage. It, it's just garbage. It's not how the Bible talks. It's not how Jesus envisions the church. Any lone ranger mentality this year is hogwash and alive from the pit of hell. We need one another. It would be a grave mistake uh, to think that Christ City can accomplish its mission to make missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood off of the backs of a dozen committed individuals. It'd be a grave mistake. It would be a grave mistake to think that we can care for the complex and growing needs of our community, and there are many, off of the backs of a dozen committed individuals. It is like trying to play basketball with one arm tied around your back like trying to shake a hand with no fingers, like trying to run with no legs. This is the imagery we're given. And so what am I asking? I'm asking, I'm praying that this year, Christ City, please hear my heart, that the body will be the body. The body will be the body. 
that we'd be people who are moment by moment nourished by Christ, that we'd become like the one we're looking at, and I'm asking that we do it together. And it means this. It means that your personal walk with Jesus, your personal obedience, your personal holiness, your personal decision to say no to sin and yes to Christ isn't just about you. It's not just about you. It's not just about you. Your decision to continue in sin and disobedience, to reject the good news of forgiveness and transformation in Christ, doesn't just wreck your walk with the Lord, it impacts us all. Christ said, I'm asking the body to be the body. I'm asking that you and we and together put our trust in the one who is holding all things together and together, together, let's see what happens. Together, let's see what happens. Christ said, let's be very, very honest for a moment. Let's be just very, very honest for a moment. There is no one, and I said this at the beginning of 2021, and I'll say it again here, there is no one who is coming into this year feeling like, I got this. I got this. I'm good. I'm killing it. For a long time, our conception of the church has been, come on Sunday, get a sermon, sing a song. If I'm really committed, I'll go to community group. But in 2022, it's about more than that. It's about becoming part of a body. Seeing your role and fulfilling your role. So you come on Sunday and and you ask, not what can I get, but what can I do? Who's the person sitting by themselves that I can talk to? And you go to community group and you don't ask, what can I get, but what can I do? Who's the person who needs that word of encouragement? Because that's one of my spiritual gifts. Who's a person who needs me to teach them something? Who's a person who needs baked goods? That's the most important spiritual gift. Christ City, this, this will will, will change the neighborhood. This will change our lives. And this will give glory to Christ. Let's pray. So Father, we come to you And as the psalmist says in Psalm 107, uh, we have come to our wit's end. All our wisdom has dried up. All our fancy planning and adapting, all of our human strength, we need you. And we need you in a big way. We need you to keep us, to sustain us, to show us your son Jesus. We need you to do this that you might be glorified in this place. Lord, we we acknowledge right now that there are thousands of people around this building who don't know you, and we want them to know you, just as we want to know you. And so help us. We cry out, Our hands, our arms, they're empty. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone. This is Jake, lead pastor of Christ City Church, East Vancouver. And I want to let you know about a few things. 
First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 2605 East Pender Street in East Vancouver for worship, word, and sacrament. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church East Vancouver is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to be a part of or hear more of what we believe God has called us to do in East Vancouver, please reach out to me at jake at christcitychurch.ca.